Welcome to Vote 2016 election coverage. I'm Enrique Cerna, along with KCTS 9 political analyst Joni Walter. And joining us to talk about the future of the Republican Party here in our state and nationally is Rob McKenna. He served as state attorney general for two terms, and in 2012, he was the Republican candidate for governor. Welcome, Rob. Good to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, let's talk about your party. Uh, your party. Your party. <laughs> How would you describe the brand of the Republican Party right now? Well, I think it depends in a large part on where you stand, where you live, which is where you stand, I guess. And because this really uh, become a sectional party in some ways, and obviously has much stronger support in the South than it does in the Northeast or the Northwest. Uh, so in the Northwest, uh, it's a party that uh, still does well in a lot of races. I mean, Idaho, Montana, obviously not so much in Oregon. And in Washington, it's a mixed bag where we've got control of the state Senate, uh, very close to parity in the state House, four out of 10 uh, congressional seats, et cetera. So um, it's an area, you know, we're in an area where the, the brand needs to be strengthened, but uh, it's, a, in a, it's in a stronger position than people commonly realize. You know, right now, as you, as you mentioned, there's this. Uh, in the, if you look at the legislature, the Republicans uh, have the Senate. Uh, they're trying to get the House. What impact do you think that the Trump effect is going to have on our state races? Well, I don't have good data to, to accurately forecast that. I worry about the impact that Trump will have in two ways. It could drive independents to vote Democratic, not Republican, and uh, the negativity around Trump could drive down turnout among Republicans. So that's the worry. At the same time, uh, several months ago anyway, three months ago, there was some evidence that voters were distinguishing Trump from the Republican brand, at least nationally. Uh, and uh, th that suggests that he doesn't have as much of an impact down ballot as he might have. But that was before the, uh, you know, the, the, the controversy over his uh, statements to Billy Bush and all of that. So you know, I don't know what the current data would show us if I, if I had it in front of me. So let's go back to that. You were never Trump from from pretty much the beginning. Yes, from uh, the beginning. I've never from, supported. Yeah, from the beginning, stand, and you said Trump. it boldly, yeah. but you know yeah. you weren't running, so you didn't mm -hmm. have to worry about sort of any any yeah. penalty for that. But just here's the gimme here for this podcast. Oh, how are you feeling about that decision today? I feel pretty good, Johnny. Yeah, you <laughs> look feel, well. You I look feel, well. You know, <laughs> you called it. Yeah. yeah. Well. You know, I didn't. Th I didn't think he was qualified then, and I didn't think he had the right character, much less the right experience. And obviously, I feel that way even more now. Uh, so I'm. I'm glad that uh, I never even considered supporting him. But a lot of, as you point out, a lot of people who are in elected office, who are standard bearers for the Republican Party, don't have it so easy. Uh, you know, you're supposed to support the nominee that your process, you know. Uh, produces. And that's what happened with Trump. So Paul Ryan, for example, is in a really tough spot. So, but you and I have talked many times about the 2012 election and you came, you came pretty close to winning that year. Uh, are you just thrilled that you're not on the ticket this year with the Trump effect sort of uh, suppressing many of the Republican voters' enthusiasm. Yeah, it, it's a difficult year to be a statewide candidate as a Republican in Washington. The the, the, the Trump issue is a distraction. Uh, it gobbles up a lot of airtime. It's harder to get it, for candidates to get attention. Uh, no doubt, it it makes things harder for. Uh, Republican statewide candidates, when it's already hard in Washington. I mean, the, the problem of being one of 10 states that elects its governor and its statewide officials in a presidential year is magnified by the controversy over Trump nationally and his, uh, you know, unpopularity in our state. And, you know, a number of uh, candidates like Bill Bryant, uh, 
uh, well, Chris Vance actually came out right away in his Senate race saying that I'm not going to, you know, side with Trump. I'm not going to endorse him, not going to vote for him, that type of thing. But Bryant took some time in doing so. Would you have advised them to say, hey, get yourself away from this guy as soon as you can? Yeah. Even Dave Reichert recently, we, I talked to him and, and he had said that I'm, I'm not going to endorse him. Uh, but I hadn't realized that he said that he was, he was still going to vote for him. Obviously, once those audio tapes came out, he changed his mind. Right. Yeah. And so did other members of our delegation, like Representative Jamie Herr, Butler in Southwest Washington. Right. Uh, you know, finally, you have to put your feelings above the party and above the, the, the you know the party's pick, and uh, that's what that's what Congressman Reichert has done. So you know, with 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 Bill Bryant. You know, I think he was in a very tough position because you're going to lose some of the base when you come out against the party's nominee. Especially in the Eastern Washington it's, state. It's exactly right. There, yeah. there are some who say, you know, if, if he's the nominee, if Trump's the nominee, that's who we have to support, period. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, Bryant clearly uh, doesn't like Trump. And um, he waited as long as he could before going public with his views because he knew it would cost him some support with the base. So it's a very, very tough situation to put our candidates in. But did he waffle for too long? I don't think he waffled. I just think he refused to answer the question. I don't think he yeah, ever planned to support Trump. I just he didn't. He felt it was a distraction from the actual issues, and he he wanted to put off for as long as he could the impact it would have on him with uh, Republicans. Now, since then, there's considerable evidence that Republicans are coming back. They will vote for him uh, in in our state, even though he's not supporting Trump, because they've had a chance to digest the the news, and they don't like Inslee. So they really only have those two choices. Well, in, in many of these debates, and you know what the Republican debates are like, what happens is Jay Inslee stands there and says, uh, you know, for 240 whatever number of days, you didn't say anything about Trump. What took you so long? Like, you're kind of slow at those. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's not a comfortable position for Bryant to be in. At the same time, I think that, you know, people watching debates are pretty sophisticated. They, know, they understand exactly what, what he was doing. And so I, I doubt that it affects the vote for him at the margin. At the same time, voters who might support him uh, who are independent or Democratic uh, would be less likely to do so if they thought he was supporting Trump. So he needed to come clean on that issue or, you know, not come clean isn't the right word. He needed to finally publicly state what his position is, which he, which he did. And I think he did it soon enough to give himself time to recover with Republicans and to get the word out to Democratic and independent voters. And then in the wake of after Trump's, uh, what he had said on those audio tapes and that all came about, um, Susan Hutchison, the state party mm -hmm. chair, uh, I, I saw her on Cairo and her first response was yuck. And I got to thinking that she should have stopped there. Um, Sometimes because, one word is your yeah, best friend, you know? But yeah. she went on to sort of defend him and then yeah. kind of try to connect it to Bill Clinton uh, I know people in the party were not happy yeah. and others just really assailed her for that. Yeah, I think Susan could have just stopped by by uh, rejecting what Trump said in strong terms and ended it there. But I think she's very frustrated at what she sees as a double standard. You know, the revelations about Bill Clinton and uh, his, uh, uh, you know, harassment of women and uh, – the, the allegations against him involving sexual assault appear to her and, and a lot of a lot of folks to be a double standard that 
that I think she couldn't resist addressing. But it comes out sounding like um, moral equivalency, and it sounds like she's defending Trump, which uh, I think uh, undermines her initial message that her his statements were repugnant. Do you think that she should remain as party chair? I mean, some have she, called for her to step down. Susan's done a lot of good work at the state party. It's not an easy job to fill with someone who's capable, and she has uh, she has performed capably. Uh, this this controversy over her statements notwithstanding, I think it will come down to what uh, the party leadership thinks. You know, the people who are elected locally who elect the chair think, and I think it comes down to what supporters of the party uh, believe. And I think it's too early to say where that's going to end up because uh, time's going to go by. We're going to see what happens in the election, not only at the top of the ticket but down ballot, and then people will evaluate her entire record, not just that one incident. So I'm sure you're asked this question just about every day and just about everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. So where does your party go from here? What yeah. are the wise next steps? Well, the, the Republican Party is fractured uh, into at least three main uh, factions. You, you have the establishment Republicans embodied by, you know, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, and, and the other former governors who were running in, in the Washington, D.C. establishment. You have the Tea Party types like, uh, you know, led by Ted Cruz and people like him. And then you've got whoever the Trump supporters are, the populists, the, the people who are coming over to vote Republican sometimes for the first time. And the, the party will have to regroup after um, 2016, and, and, and they will. And the reason Will that you be part of that here in this state? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, I haven't, frankly, the fractures haven't been that bad in Washington because the people who came around to support Trump did so because he was the nominee, not because they wanted him to begin with. I mean, that's that's what we saw at the state convention. There was a lot of support for Ted Cruz. There was a lot of support for John Kasich um, amongst, uh, you know, among, among establishment Republicans. But the, here's the reason that the Republican Party will regroup and, and we will be having a different conversation 18 months from now. It's that the 2018 elections favor Republican candidates and, and results much more than the uh, presidential election does. In fact, Democrats I've spoken to are already worried about 2018, and they have reason to be. Remember what happened in 2008 and then in 2010. Exactly. And so uh, I, I think that, that um, you know, getting your, getting your head handed to you has a way of focusing <laughs> your attention and then having a prospect for success refocuses it. So I, we're not going to stop being a two-party system. Every party goes through a major realignment every so often, and we're going yeah, through one right now. Democrats have been there a few times. There's no doubt about that. There are some, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I'm often asked, well, why not a third party or a fourth party? And, you know, I think if we were going to have a multi-party system in our country, we would have seen it a long, long time ago, and, and we just aren't going to see that. Dan Evans, former governor, former senator, you know, the kind of icon in the Republican Party, also a moderate uh, Republican. He, he's often said that the, the Republican Party, ha he, he hasn't left the party, the party has left him. Do you feel that way? Uh, no, because I don't take it personally when people come in and claim the Republican mantle and I don't agree with them. Since we only have two major political parties, we have to appreciate their coalition. It's shifting all the time. People move back and forth. I mean, there was a time when very few Irish Catholics, uh, you know, like my dad, would vote would vote Republican. And then he then he switched. He started voting Republican more and more, uh, along with a lot of my a lot of my relatives. But that happened over a very long period of time, and I think. We see we will continue to see those kinds of shifts. I mean, who would have imagined that the, the South being a Republican stronghold 50, 60, 80 years ago, and, and now it is. So nothing is permanent, and I just I just go with the flow and try to associate myself with good people who have the right ideas and hope that we can build a winning coalition. 
Uh, that but way. how does the party rebuild and remake mm. itself among a couple of groups that are really problematic this cycle? So that's obviously women. You're holding an article that I yeah. put in front of you yeah, right, that right. says voters with daughters are much more likely to support Hillary Clinton for president. Yeah. So how does the party rebuild with women, suburban women, and people of color? I think that uh, there are two things you have to do. One is you have to speak to, uh, address, and address the issues they really care about. So for me in 2012, it was uh, public education. I was really zeroed in on that issue. And I think that was effective. Uh, and then the second thing you have to do with with women voters and with communities of color is you have to produce candidates who appeal to them, including women and people of color. And the Republican Party was making some good strides in that direction, um, has been, and will I think continue to do so with people like Nikki Haley in South Carolina, the governor there is, uh, you know, East, of East Indian descent, or Bobby Jindal in New Orleans. There are many, many examples I could cite, and there's been a very active and I think effective program for the last two years uh, to recruit candidates from communities of color because the fastest way to get people to support your party is to put candidates up who they really identify with. So but there'll be more of that. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because the demographics in this country are changing. Yep. And you know Donald Trump right now is appealing to that white base um, that um, is angry and, and coming out for him, and, and they do vote. They're there. Um, but again, the demographics are changing. Right. Uh, you have a Latino population that is growing rapidly. You have a um, Asian population that is growing rapidly. Uh, that's going to be a, a, a tough group to recruit possibly for the Republicans, particularly when you had a standard bearer that has, oh, yeah. you know, uh, he, when, yeah. when we, I know that when he came out and said, he said Mexicans, and I, he was probably talking about Mexican nationals, but as a Latino, man, you just paint the broad brush oh, right absolutely. there. Yeah, I mean, he, we Trump, all get mad. Yeah, what Trump has said, what he has said about uh, Hispanic Americans, particularly Muslim, people from, it's, un, it's, it's stupid and unforgivable. I mean, it was a, a strategy to appeal to a narrow slice of the primary uh, electorate, and it worked to the extent he was winning pluralities of primaries, then it ultimately became the nominee. But it, 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 under, it completely undercut his ability to win the general election, in my view. So what the Republican Party has to do is uh, is to go, you know, return to what it was already doing, which was broadening its appeal to those communities. And we've had candidates who've done very well. Marco Rubio is leading among Hispanic voters in Florida right now in his U.S. Senate race. So the idea that they will never come over and support Republicans is not supported by the evidence where you have candidates who uh, understand those communities and are effective at communicating with them. So that's what you're going to see more of going forward. Because if, if we don't, then the party just becomes narrower and narrower, less and less I, successful. And, and political parties don't accept that. They change over time to avoid that happening. But you have and, if you, and if you look mm -hmm. at the millennials, there's a Trump v. Clinton is something like a 40-some percent uh, mm -hmm. gap there. Oh, and yeah. so some of the things you're saying, because there's there's more millennials than there are baby boomers. Uh, so right. The same strategy must apply when Absolutely. you talk about 2018 to millennials. Yeah, you, you, got, you know, you have to have younger candidates. And, you know, we continue to put up younger candidates in our state who do very, very well. People like Jamie O'Hara Butler, who's in Congress from the southwest part of our state. People like Senator Joe Fain or Senator Andy Hill. You know, you, you know it works in terms of age cohorts as well as, you know, ethnic diversity when you're talking about who you recruit and how effective they are. But on the issues, particularly immigration, 
Don't you think you have a problem here? Oh, absolutely. That's why Senator McCain and President Bush attempted to push through uh, comprehensive immigration reform when President Bush was in office and McCain was leading that effort. Uh, it was unpopular with a segment of the Republican base. Uh, it nearly cost him his, his chance to become the nominee in, in 2008, but he overcame it, became the nominee. Um, but, you know, our view is that Majority Leader Reid and Speaker Pelosi uh, uh, deliberately blocked immigration reform, refused to compromise on it because they didn't want to hand that issue to Republicans or take it off the table, as opposed to what happened in the 1980s when uh, Speaker O'Neill and President Reagan worked together, passed the Simpson-Mazzoli Act with Republican Democratic co-sponsors, and took the issue off the table for, for more than 20 years, maybe 30 years. They, Pelosi and Reid were not about to let that happen this time. I think it was incredibly cynical, and I think a lot of people in the community who care about those issues have not recognized that we could have had uh, immigration reform long before now, but for those political machinations. You have daughters. And uh, one who's very active in your campaign, actually, she, she, just, was. she, she uh, graduated from Stanford recently and is working, a uh, uh, very smart young woman. Yeah. Where is she standing on this? Well, she's, you know, she's, she had to convince her younger siblings not to support Bernie Sanders because, <laughs> you, know, you know, and I think she persuaded them of that uh, before Sanders dropped out. Uh, but I think she's like a lot of millennials where she's she's probably uh, more fiscally conservative than is commonly appreciated, but but socially liberal to progressive. And, uh, you know, I think I remember she was she was interested in John Huntsman when he, you know, was briefly a candidate for president. Pretty uh, moderate guy. Pretty yeah. moderate guy. And, yeah. and, you know, people like Bill Bryant should appeal to my 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 kids because he is a true moderate in the Dan Evans tradition. And, um you know, Bill's running into current conditions that are very difficult, a lot of headwind, and he's running against an incumbent, which is always challenging. Yeah. But he is the kind of Republican who ought to win elections in the state and who over time will appeal to people like my kids. But is she voted for Hillary? She's going to vote. Oh, yeah, definitely. My oldest will definitely be voting for Hillary. And I expect this must be that. interesting conversations. So, and also, also <laughs> your Twitter savvy wife. Yeah, I mean, she she was on TV the other day saying that she you know she can't support Trump, and I and you know we're completely aligned on that. I mean, how can you you know in our from our point of view when you look at what he's saying and doing and what he represents? I don't you know I don't like Bill Clinton either. What he did, I'm not a fan of Hillary's, but that doesn't mean oh it's okay then I can support Trump because Bill was bad. It's like if you don't support someone because of their character, you don't support them. But yeah. Bill's not on the ballot this time either, just as a no, very I, important I point. understand that counterpoint, but that it's pretty hard to disassociate. For Republicans like me, it's pretty hard to, you know, to completely disassociate Hillary from Bill considering their history together and the way that he, she has def consistently defended him. I don't like the way that Melania, Melania, Melania is defending yeah. Donald either. But, a couple know, of teenage boys Hillary, is what she said. Yeah, well, Hillary has gone after Bill's accusers pretty pretty vociferously in, a, in, in an attempt to destroy them, and uh, I think that's uh, I think that's really repelling. It, it, this, this whole thing is like a circus to me. Well, it's, just, it's like look, a bad this isn't, bad movie. This isn't what any of us want to be talking <laughs> about, right, right? right? We want to be talking about the issues, but it's the state of politics in America today, and the only way you get past this is to have candidates. You know, like Mitt Romney, who had a very squeaky clean personal life. And, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders seems to have a pretty, you know, I mean, straightforward personal yeah. life. You need people who, who don't provide the distractions that the Clintons and the Trumps of the world have provided. A couple things before we go here. Um, uh, Donald Trump keeps claiming that this uh, is going to be a rigged election. Yeah. 
What do you think about that? He has zero evidence to support that contention. And, you know, I've, I know it's not a problem in our state. Uh, it's not a problem in other parts of the country. I think he's already expecting to lose and he's just trying to, you know, set up the narrative for after the election that, uh, oh, well, it was, my, it was not my fault that I lost. And our election folks have said that they're they're ready and very capable of of handling any any sort of hacks. You would It would be an incredibly complex undertaking to rig any national election in this country, considering that we have 50 separate elections systems at the state level, then subsystems below them. And most people still rely on paper ballots. So the idea that you could hack some sort of computer and rig their, it's just, it's just nonsense. You're writing in John Kasich. Yeah, I'm going to write in a Kasich still. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Governor Kasich. And I firmly believe that if we'd had the, if, if, if primary voters had, had the common sense to nominate him, uh, he would be winning. He'd be way ahead in the poll right now. Yeah, but was there a lack of discipline also for the Republicans to put that sure. many up? Because then yeah. you can divide 100 percent by yeah. any crazy number. I, and that's I agree. what happened. Yeah, it is a lack of discipline. Uh, at the same time, we had, an, we had an embarrassment of riches in terms of qualified candidates. Now we just have an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and so you know, I've used it before. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's Get a practiced him, line, but I, but, uh, but it really sums it up pretty well. Because I, you know, I was seeing all these governors in 2012 when I was running these Republican governors, and people were saying, "What are we going to do? It's a great problem to have, etc." But the party is not organized the way the Democratic Party is, which has more discipline and it has key constituencies that that are able to impose the discipline. And I mean, let's be honest, the Democrats didn't have much of a bench. And if they had one, Hillary cleared it, except for Bernie. I mean, I think that if Hillary did not exist, uh, that uh, the Sanders would have won the primary and then it'd be a very interesting situation yeah. today. So politically, in you're not running this time around, yeah. but are you still in the game? Are you going to be looking at it down the road here? It, you know, once you get out of elected office, it's really hard to, to go back because you you remember, oh yeah, this is what a normal life feels like. And there's a lot, there's a, there are a lot of sacrifices involved. Uh, you know, time away from family and financial sacrifices and the rest. I was in office 17 years, so I think I'm I, I'm back to my where I started, which was just helping candidates who I admire and giving them the support that they deserve. Look, I think if anyone volunteers to put themselves through a campaign for anything from city council to president, they deserve our support because it's a really tough process. But having having uh, served, I'm pretty sure I don't want to go back to uh, making those kinds of sacrifices again for my family. And mm -hmm. I kept asking you pretty much since 2012 yeah. till now, are you sure? Are you sure you're not running? Now, sure you're now not do you believe? I actually now, <laughs> finally, I just want to say, and I have to concede this egg yeah. on my face. I, well, I believe you that you're, you're not you're running in 2016. You should, you should be skeptical. <laughs> I appreciate that about you, John. Rob McKenna, always a pleasure to be uh, have the opportunity to talk to you. And uh, thank you for your time, for your insights. Uh, this has been Vote 2016, election coverage for KCTS 9 political analyst Joni Balter. I'm Enrique Cerna, and we'll talk more later. Thank you. To hear more podcasts from KCTS 9 Digital Studios, visit kcts9.org slash podcasts.